Levi, what is up? What up? Um, where did you find that image on? It was on uh, Joe Linhardy's Twitter. Ah, Twitter. Because I was trying to find out my computer. All right, so how do you want to do this? You want to go, like, do you want to start off by talking about, like, the notable? Do you want to start off by going over, like, bubble, top seeds? What do you want? What, what do you uh, think? So? Let's do top seeds and bubble. Okay. And then we'll, yeah, we'll do that. And then we'll go ahead and do notable at the end. Right. And if, and for the teams, like, the number one seeds, we can do what we've been doing, like, going over um, games and stuff like that and, uh kind of how their seasons will be towards the end of the season. All right. All right, so we do Bama. We do Bama first, right? Yes. Okay. Just give me one second. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I am your host, the one you love the most, Niall Huston, back with another episode here on The Truth. Back with Levi Graham. Levi, how are you doing here today? I'm doing great. Just uh, ready to talk about some college basketball. It has been a little bit of time since we've done a college basketball show. and We do apologize. It's been extremely busy. Started our baseball seasons, and that obviously has had kind of a priority. Um, And we haven't been able to kind of get the beginning of the week show out that we wanted to. But with the cancellation of a game tomorrow, we're able to sneak in here a podcast. And it's a very important podcast, especially towards the end of the season because this is where you know bracketology and March Madness comes into full effect. We're really close actually to a lot of these uh, conference tournaments and figuring out who's going to be in the NCAA tournament this year. So we're going with a bit of a little change of course and thanks to Levi we're going to do things differently. This might be a one-time thing. It might be a thing for the rest of the year but we're going to go over the top seeds, the number one through four seeds that each team will be 16. And then we'll go over the bubble portion, the last four buys, last four in, first four out, and next four out. And then we'll go o- go over some notables uh, that Joe Lenardi has. So this is strictly from Joe Lenardi. Um, previously, we had done something different. This is strictly from Joe Lenardi, who's obviously the bracketologist for college basketball. So it should be a change of pace. It should be exciting. Without further ado, let's go ahead and start by our number one overall seed, at least at the moment, Alabama. Levi, take it away. Uh, Alabama, they're... Number one, according to Joe Lenardi, uh, they did lose last week, but they're 23-4 and four in a pretty good SEC conference with uh, very good wins, like beating Houston. Uh, they do have some tough losses, like against Tennessee and uh, Connecticut, but I think they deserve to be the, in the number one spot right now. Yeah, they did lose a tough game to Tennessee, but Tennessee's also been playing really well this season. They're sitting at a 9-5 and conference record. Uh, 20 and 7 overall. Alabama, that 23 and 4 record, 13 and 1 in conference play. Um, obviously, that's kind of expected as far as why they're the number one overall seed. Been playing great on both sides of the ball. Uh, sixth in the nation at points per game at 83.4. Sixth and three point field goals at 10, 10 and a half. First in rebounds at 41.1. And then a defensive rating of tied for A. So looking at those numbers right there as far as teams are concerned, obviously some great numbers there. Brandon Miller, the forward, 18.7 points per game. Mark Sears, 13.6. So all in all, this Alabama Crimson Tide team has had a phenomenal season, and there's obviously no doubt that they're the number one seed. 
Coming up, they got South Carolina and Arkansas this week, so some interesting battles there in the SEC, um, but winnable games for sure. Houston, the number two seed. Houston, I like them on the one line. I don't know about uh, number two overall, though, because you have Kansas and Purdue behind them in uh, very good conferences. But uh, they deserve to be a one seed. They're 25-2 and two, uh, with a loss against Alabama and a questionable loss against Temple. But they're 25-2. and two. Their def- defense wins championships. They're known for their defense. This team is good. Yeah, interestingly about Houston is the fact that Houston is a team that is obviously not as recognizable because they're in the AAC conference. But, you know, they are 25-2. and two. They're third in offensive rating. They're second in defensive rating, like you mentioned. So all in all, they've had a pretty good season. I think they get a little bit disrespected just because they're not in those premier conferences like a Purdue or Kansas or even Bama is for that matter. But when you look at pen to paper, I think Houston is a top four team in the nation and definitely deserving of that number one seed. Biggest thing with them is, are they able to maintain that? And are they able to go to the final four that is in Houston this season? Kansas at number three overall. I like Kansas at number three overall uh, and a one seed. I think they have a good chance to run it back and win a back-to-back national championship, even though they lost a lot of pieces. Jalen Wilson's averaging 20 points a game from Grady Dick is averaging 14 points a game. And they're 10 and four in a very good conference and uh, 22 and five overall. So I like where they're at at number three. Yeah. Kansas had a great season. They share the ball very well. You mentioned their points per game assists. They're tied for eighth in the NCAA as far as sharing the ball. So that's obviously been huge for them. And, I feel like they haven't been underrated because they've been talked about a lot. But, again, they are the national champions from last year, so people are going to have their disrespect when it comes to Kansas. But all in all, Kansas is still a really good team. They're leading the Big 12 uh, conference this season, which has absolutely been insane. A lot of teams you know, winning some big games there, so obviously a great conference. And I think they do deserve a lot more respect. Got a couple games coming up for them. They have TCU and West Virginia, which they should win. But they're on pace to continue you know, the, the standing that they were once at last season when they won it all. Purdue at number four overall. Purdue, uh, they deserve to be on a one-line two at number four. They're 24 and four overall. Zach Eadie's a stud. Um, <coughs> and they're in a good conference, obviously. So even though they've had a couple losses lately, they're still 24 and four. So they deserve to be a one seed. Yeah, Purdue has lost three of their last five, but have played really well, a really good basketball as of late. Um, some of their losses. Big one I, I see is at Northwestern. That was obviously a big loss. And then at Indiana. They got a revenge game against Indiana this Saturday, so they get like six days off before taking on Wisconsin and Illinois to end the season. But, you know, they're a team that is going to be a number one seed. I'm going to flat out say it. You know, they have the tools they need. Obviously, you mentioned Zach Eady, the impact that Zach Eady's had. But the one consistent team for the Big Ten has been Purdue. The Big Ten is beating each other on a day-to-day basis or a night-to-night basis and really shooting themselves in the foot. But Purdue has always maintained that number one status in the conference. I don't see Northwestern uh, catching them for the regular season title, but Northwestern's also really hot as well. So you never really know. But this team, Purdue, is definitely very solid. I'm expecting them to uh, run through the Big Ten tournament and get that uh, one seed, potentially number one overall seed. Switching gears to the number two seeds, uh, the first number two seed, the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, I like I like him here at number five. Um, I think you, them and UCLA could flip-flop here. But uh, 
because U of A has had some worse losses than UCLA, but Arizona beat UCLA head-to-head. Arizona is very good. Tubelis, he's been struggling lately, but he's the best player. He was averaging 20 points a game. I think it's lower now, maybe like 18. And then Umar Balo, he's another big seven-footer who's a beast. This team could go far. Yeah, Arizona and UCLA have really been the two consistent teams out of the Pac-12, in my opinion, as far as making an NCAA tournament uh, bid. They got a big matchup, as you know, this Saturday at home against Arizona State. Obviously, Arizona State's having a far different season, but it's still a rivalry game. And um, Arizona's been playing great on both sides of the ball. I did like the point you mentioned about maybe flip-flopping UCLA and Arizona, but Arizona's having a tremendous year. I think they're a little bit of a sleeper team to win it all or go that deep, but you know, second in assists at 19.6 per game, eighth in points per game at 83.2. Offensive numbers insane. Defense has been pretty solid as well. Um, and you just look at kind of the season that they've having to Bellis, Balo, like you mentioned, having a great season. So position of a number two seed really would look uh, and look up to see maybe if they can snack uh, a one seed towards the end of the season. Texas, number six. Uh, they deserve to be at a two seed as well. They're 21 and six, second place in the Big 12. Uh, they have some studs in uh, Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr. And their offense is good. And they put the whole coaching situation behind them, I think. And they're winning basketball games. Yeah, Texas has been playing good. Uh, they've been another team that I think has been talked about a lot. They're 21-6, and six, having a great season. You mentioned Chris Beard, his whole his situation. To, to be able to respond very well, um, I think, was huge for them as far as Texas is concerned. Carr is averaging 17.1, Rice 12 points per game. So having success on the offensive side, having success on the defensive side. This is a team that's sitting with a 10-4 and conference record just like Kansas and has an opportunity to win the Big 12 um, as far as the regular season title is concerned. Got some dog matches, though, versus Iowa State and at Baylor this week before taking on TCU on the road in Kansas to end the season. UCLA at number seven. Uh, They deserve to be here. Jaime Hawkins and Tiger Campbells are – their studs, uh, their defense wins in ball games, and then uh, when when clutch time happens, Jaime Jaquez and uh, Tiger Campbell come up clutch. Yeah, so UCLA is sitting fourteen and two conference record, twenty three and four overall. I think it's relatively safe. I shouldn't say relatively safe to say, but they should win the regular season title. Arizona is two games behind them in the conference standing. They do have a big matchup with Arizona, the final game of the season. So maybe that has some um, some money's worth uh, there. But overall, they've had a really solid season thus far. They're playing great. Um, they were flirting with the number one seed overall for a period of time. I think their defense has been really solid this season. Their offense has been good too, but I think defense has been big for them, especially in the Pac-12 conference, and have really materialized into a really good, uh, a good, really good team this season. They're doing a good job there over at UCLA. Baylor at number eight. Baylor. Um, I don't know if I like this team as a two seed. I would like them as a three seed, but uh, I would honestly just like them switching with Tennessee, but overall that doesn't really matter because they still play each other in the tournament if they make it that far, just flipping jerseys home and away. So obviously eight and, eight and nine overall, they don't really matter, but uh, – Big 12, I think it's one of the best conferences in college basketball. And they are 20-7, and 9-5 and five in conference. So they deserve to be where they're at. Yeah, Baylor, um, you know, they are another good team that, you know, is just going to be consistently good. I think they're going to be a Final Four team. I really do. 
Um, although they're sitting at a two seed, arguably it could be a three seed. Nine and five overall, twenty and seven. I'm sorry, nine and five in conference play, twenty and seven overall. Baylor's really good. I'm really excited to see how they're going to fare towards the end of the season. Um, eighth in offensive rating, 116.8. Looking at some of their other stats here, you know, tied for 38th in points per game at 78.5. But they're just a really fundamentally sound team. Keontae George obviously has had a great year for them. He's averaging 16.6. Adam Flager, the guard, has is averaging 16 as well. And Cryer is averaging 14.9. So they have a big trio there that have really produced a lot of points. Would like to see their defense play a big effect come March, but this is a team that's right on the cusp of you know becoming national champions again. Tennessee kicking off the number three seeds at the number nine seed overall. Uh, they've had some struggles of, as of late, but they did beat Alabama at home, which uh, helps them a lot, and they deserve to be a nine seed, uh, nine overall. Yeah, Tennessee, they had a big win against Alabama. That's obviously the difference maker, I think, for, you know, the committee and where they're at because they're sitting at a 9-5 to conference play record, 20-7 and overall. As far as individuals, they've had a good kind of collective group. Nobody that's going to be averaging 20 points per game, but Vescovi averaging 12.5, Ziegler 10.8, Nakamua, or however you say the name, 10.5, really have been three star players. They share the ball very well. Ziegler's averaging 5.4 uh, assists, excuse me. And coming up for them in the SEC, they got four games left, Texas A&M, South Carolina, Arkansas, and Auburn. Um, definitely winnable games there, but you never really know. This is a team that could sneak into March. I think this is a team that's got elite eight capabilities and potential, and I'm really excited to see Tennessee uh, not only progress in the SEC, but just uh, come the March Madness tournament. Virginia at number 10. Virginia, I like him here. This is the first ACC team we've seen, which is pretty crazy. Um, their defense wins a ball game. Kihei Clark is a stud, averaging 12 and 5 assists per game. Uh, this team could go far because of their defense. Yeah, their offense is, is definitely not necessarily there, but I think that's kind of what you get you know, when you pick and choose in the ACC conference. Tied for 244th as far as points per game at 69.1. But Virginia, when they won their national championship, really prided themselves on defense and turning over the ball and, and getting those limited possessions. They got guys, four guys, that are over, averaging over a steal per game. They got guys averaging 0.4.5 blocks a game. So defense is going to win them a lot of games. And they're currently sitting at the number one seed in the ACC conference and 15 teams in the ACC. You look at teams like North Carolina Duke that are going to want to make some noise in the uh, ACC tournament, but Virginia has been a consistent team throughout the season. Really excited to see their final games, Boston College, North Carolina, Clemson, and Louisville. So we'll see how they fare court, uh, towards the end of the season. Kansas State at number 11 overall. Kansas State, uh, I like them here. Big 12 basketball. They've had a crazy turnaround this year. I like them at a three seed. Yeah, I think this is a team that definitely deserves to be sitting at a three seed right now um, as far as overall is concerned. They are sitting with an eight and six conference record, 20 and seven overall. Looking forward for them, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. So relatively winnable games that can help their resume, even though those teams aren't that great. Their conference is really solid. Plays both offense and defense very effectively. Offensively, Keontae Johnson, the forward, uh, 17.4 points per game. Marquise Noel, 16.9. So they got their big, prolific scores there. Definitely a team that's a little bit of a sleeper. I think a lot of people kind of look at them as a number three seed, and they're like, hey, how did they get to the number three seed? But I think the grand, sc <coughs> excuse me, grand scheme of things, 
Kansas State is a team that will be a three seed. Um, but especially with how their season goes, I think having a good Big 12 tournament will kind of open a lot of people's eyes and, and open that opportunity for them to, to thrive in once again. Rounding out the number three seeds, the number 12 overall seed, Iowa State. Honestly, I don't know if I like Iowa State and a three seed. I would rather have them as a four seed. But, um, you know, they're in a really good conference. They can't score the ball whatsoever, but they play good defense. So, Talking about scoring the ball, they're already 69.5 points per game, which isn't great, um, <clears throat> especially in the ranks of college. But, yeah, Iowa State, they live and die by their defense. If their defense is not there, their offense obviously is not there, and then they kind of get screwed, which is semi a good problem to have because I feel like offensively you can focus – and you can get better with that. You obviously need to get better with that. But defense, I feel like, it's more of just effort and, and hustle and all that stuff. And Iowa State's got that. I don't know how I feel about them being as a three seed, to be honest. I feel like they're too bipolar to be a three seed. I think there's some consistent three seeds like Virginia and Tennessee, whereas Iowa State thinks a bit too shaky, especially as of late. Kind of been hopping up and down the rankings in the top 25. But we'll see. Uh, it's a team that's got tons of potential, tons of talent. I really think this year they're going to be good, and they're going to be really solid next year. Gonzaga, uh, starting off for our number four seeds at 13. I don't know if I like Gonzaga here at 13 because uh, they're not even in first place in their conference. So, obviously, I think St. Mary's should be a four seed, if I'm being truly honest, over Gonzaga. Yeah, you look at Gonzaga throughout the season, as we've mentioned, they've obviously played in more marquee matchups. Beating, team, uh, beating a team like Michigan State, you know, being a team like Kentucky, losing to Texas. Uh, losing to Purdue. They played a lot of good schools, uh, and that's kind of been a key for them as being the number four seed. But you look at St. Mary's. They're sitting with a 13-1 and conference play record. I don't think a lot of people were expecting that. I mentioned previously a couple weeks ago when we were doing our shows, I said the big thing in the West Coast Conference is seeing how St. Mary's and Gonzaga fare on February 4th, and St. Mary's did beat Gonzaga uh, at home 78-70. to So, Maybe St. Mary's is a bit of a better team, but I think Gonzaga's resume is just a tad bit better. I think that's why they're in the position they're in. On top of that, I think Gonzaga is a better suited team for March just because they've been there, done that. But obviously we'll see. Gonzaga is interesting every year. Indiana at 14. Indiana, they're 19-8. and eight. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis is averaging 20 points a game for them. Uh, they're third place in the Big Ten, and they deserve to be the four seed. Yeah, they've been interesting, Indiana has. I feel like they've kind of gone on spurts. When they started Big Ten Conference play, they actually were started 0-3 and then really went on a kind of a win streak, had five games where they won. Um, they lost one, then won three. So really played effectively. Coming up for them, they got some tough challenges at Michigan State, at Purdue, versus Iowa and versus Michigan to end the year. So they kind of got rid of their easy Big Ten games, but have really rebounded well. You mentioned Trace Davis-Jackson, the shooters that he's got around him. This Indiana team, I feel like at this rate, as far as looking at a team like Indiana compared to like Northwestern in the Big Ten, I think Northwestern has that edge. I think Northwestern is being completely disrespected. But, you know, that's just my thought. I don't know if Indiana should be a four seed, but I definitely think a team like Northwestern, who is on top, uh, sitting ahead of them on top of the standings in the Big Ten, should maybe get a little more respect. But we'll see. Uh, Indiana is one of two teams, I believe, that's ranked in the Big Ten right now. Marquette at 15. Marquette. Uh, I like him here at 15, 13-3 in conference. First place in the Big East. They deserve to be uh, the number 15 team in the country. 
I think if you were to ask at the beginning of the season who would be the number one team in the Big East, not many people would say Marquette. Maybe there'd be a handful, but Marquette sitting comfort well, not necessarily comfortably. They're thirteen and three in conference play, twenty one and six overall. Big East is either really good or really shit. I'm looking at some of their teams there, you know, like Georgetown, DePaul, Butler towards the bottom of the pack. But Marquette's had consistency all year, and that's something that I know Marquette fans, like my mom, have been seeing. Fifth in field goal percentage at forty nine point four. That's obviously a big number. Great offense. Averaging 80.7 points per game, which is tied for 19th. Assists, 17.7. Steals, 9.5. So doing it on both sides of the ball. Marquette's in prime position to be a four seed. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up becoming a three seed or even two seed if you really want to push it. But coming up here, you know, you have 15, 16, 17, 18 for that matter are Big East, uh, Big East teams. So we'll see. But Marquette's right on that mix. And right below them is the Xavier Musketeers, who are sitting at the 16th overall seed. Uh, Sean Miller's done a great job coming back to Xavier as they average 83 points a game, which is ninth in all of college basketball. So they can put the ball in the hole. And they're 12-4 and four in conference, so they deserve to be a four-seed as well. Yeah, Xavier, I feel like it's a similar philosophy for them. Coming up, they got Villanova, which is going to be a big challenge uh, tonight. They also got at Providence to start their year in March. So this is a team that can kind of leapfrog Marquette, but they're battling with teams like Providence and Creighton. Both are sitting with 12-4 and four records. In fact, Xavier and Providence both share a 20-7 record. So this Big East conference um, is definitely a conference that I think a lot of people need to start looking out for. We're not going to mention – or we're going to mention that, but we're not going to go into depth um, for 17 through uh, 17 through 20, excuse me, but 17 is UConn. 18 is Creighton, 19 is Miami, and 20 is TCU. So those would be the number five seeds. Let's go ahead and take a look at the bubble, starting off with the last four buys and number 38 overall, the Memphis. Memphis, they're 20 and 7 overall. Um, they just lost to Houston. They are third place in their conference. And they have Kendrick Davis, who averages 21 points a game for them. So I think they should be on the bubble. Respect. Yeah, you know, I think a team like Memphis, I feel like especially with the last four by and really trying to, you know, make sure they're in the tournament is getting a big win like Houston. Because in the AAC conference, you're not going to get many big wins. Sure, Tulane or even Temple for that matter. But Houston would have been a big win for them, um, obviously, especially at Houston. They did show competitive fight. They only lost by eight, but – Still, uh, they have another chance, the final game of the year against Houston. I think that could definitely be the difference maker for them. But Memphis is a team that you're expecting to be in the tournament and have success regardless of how their uh, record or play has been. Oklahoma State at number 39. Oklahoma State, they're 7-7 seven and seven in the Big 12, and I think they should make the tournament at 7. If you are a 500 team in the Big 12, you deserve to go dancing, and I believe they should. So. Yeah, Oklahoma State sitting seventh in the Big 12 Conference right now. And looking at the multi-conferences bid, the Big 12 would be poised to send eight teams into March. And if that is holds true, Oklahoma State would be in the big dance once again. They're 7-7, seven and 16-11 seven, and 11 overall, like you mentioned. Currently, the time we're recording this podcast, beating West Virginia on the road, 52-38. to 38. They got Kansas State, Baylor, and then at Texas Tech to end the season. Oklahoma State, again, is one of those teams in the Big 12 that prides themselves on defense. If they're able to get enough offensive production, then I think they're going to have success. Look for guys like Kaleeb Boom to maybe be the, carry, uh, the lead way for the Oklahoma State Cowboys team uh, come March. 
Boise State is the next team on the list. Boise State, they're twenty-one and six, uh, second place in the Mountain West. And if you're second place in the Mountain West, you most likely deserve to go. And I believe that. Yeah, we look at the Mountain West. There's a lot of teams, or five teams rather, that have five. Sorry, excuse me, twenty wins or more. I think that's huge. <laughs> I think the Mountain West gets a little bit disrespected. Obviously, look at a team like San Diego State. Uh, who is respectively leading that conference, but even teams below them like Nevada or Utah State are capable mixes. I think Boise State will be in the tournament. They're eleven and three in conference play, twenty-one and six overall, second in the Mountain West, like we mentioned. Got a big game, kind of not really anymore against New Mexico, San Diego State, San Diego, sorry, San Jose State, San Diego State, and then Utah State to end the year. So uh, we'll see how Boise State fares. Nevada at the number forty-two, which is right below them in the conference. Uh, Nevada, they are 20-7, and seven, third place in the conference. Um, looking at the remaining schedule, they should make the tournament because they should win all four of these last games and be 24-7. and seven. So I expect Nevada to make the tournament. Nevada is 20-7. and seven. Uh, My boy Trevor French would be a big advocate for the Nevada Wolfpack this season. Not really too many hard games left on their schedule. They kind of did their bulk of their schedule early on, but have a pretty good resume overall. Taking a look at their team stats right now, they're tied for fifth in free throw percentage. I think that's honestly maybe the most important stat, especially when it comes to March, because it doesn't really ma- not necessarily matter what seed you are. You see upsets happen all the time. Free throws and, and, and points of the charity stripe are so huge in so many different ways that provides an opportunity to not only get you more scoring, but to have more success with that. And I think that's something that they're really going to take into consideration come March. And this is a situation where Nevada could win a game simply by shooting free throws at an effective rate. Moving into the last four in, starting off with Mississippi State at 43. Uh, honestly, I don't really agree with this. They're 6-8 and eight in conference, and I believe if you have a losing record in conference, I don't think you deserve to go dancing. But they're 18-9 overall, so they could win a couple more games and get to 20 wins, which would help them a lot. Yeah, you look at a team uh, you know, like Mississippi State, when you immediately see they have a negative or less than 500 conference play record, you look at their non-conference, and their biggest win, in my opinion, in the non-conference was at Marquette when they won 58-55. to But other than that, they really didn't have many big wins against non-conference opponents, at least unless I'm missing one. I mean, they beat TCU in the Big 12 SEC Challenge play, but I I don't know. I feel like Mississippi State, like you mentioned, you brought up a good point, especially in a big conference like the SEC, where you see all these multi-conference bids. Um, And although the SEC is really good this year, having a team like Mississippi State represent uh, in the big turn, uh, the big dance, excuse me, I'm not sure is the right fit. But I think the one thing that's really keeping them alive now, especially, is Marquette, that big win on the road for that matter, too. West Virginia uh, is the next last foreign team. West Virginia, they played great defense, but another, they're 4 and 10 in conference. <laughs> 15 and 12 overall. I just don't know how they will make the tournament. And uh, <laughs> they, let's look at their schedule. Um, they are kicking Oklahoma State's butt right now, but they finished the season <laughs> at Kansas, at Iowa State, and at home against Kansas State. So that's a brutal schedule, and they can they control their own destiny. But four and ten in conference, I don't know how they're projected in. 
I don't know if Joe and Arnie are smoking a tree before making this bracket, but especially the Big 12 Conference, you can't have a team that's 4-10 be the last 4 in team. Now, the only way, in my opinion, that West Virginia should be in the tournament, even consideration, is if they win those final games, if they win maybe all but one. That's really pushing it because they're already 4-10 in conference play and 15-12 overall. What if they can win, which they're winning against Oklahoma State, like you mentioned, they can win at Kansas and at Iowa State. I mean, that could be the difference maker. But I also think you need to have a deep Big 12, Big 12 run. Just can't get over the fact they're 4-10 in conference play. Barely over 500, and they're uh, qualified right now for the last four. And I definitely need to check Twitter and see if uh, people are commenting on that. That Joe Lenardi put them in that spot at the 4-10 conference record. If you really want eight teams out of the Big 10 or Big 12, you're really pushing it because – you got teams that are 500, and then you got Texas Tech, West Virginia, and Oklahoma that are definitely <laughs> not 500. USC at the number 45. Uh, I agree with this. You're 11 and 5 in conference, 19 and 8 overall. Um, you know, they end the season with a couple tough games at, the Colorado, at Colorado, at Utah, at home against Arizona, and at home against Arizona State. So it's going to be a dogfight to the end, but right now, I would project them in the turn. See, with USC, it's kind of interesting, because I feel like you can make an argument for three Pac-12 teams, but really that final Pac-12, so obviously UCLA and Arizona in the tournament, I really think it could boil down to USC and Arizona State. Now, obviously, you have more of an Arizona State fandom, and we talk about this all the time, that Arizona needs to win this game and win that, but if you really are looking at USC potentially being a last four team in, Let's not discredit Arizona State because Arizona State is two games behind them as far as conference play records concerns. But Arizona State ahead of them is Arizona and at USC. If you win at Arizona and at UCLA, if you win in general, but win by a pretty hefty margin and then win at USC and then let's say US, uh, USC loses the game, for example, and have a relatively strong tournament in the Pac-12, Maybe an, a team like Arizona State uh, could jump into the mix, but I definitely think Arizona State would have to win out those games. But between USC and Arizona State, I, I don't know. I think one of those teams should be qualified. I think it's whoever finishes the season better and then who obviously ever finishes um, be the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, the Pac-12, who's only currently sending three teams to the big dance. Mm-hmm. And then the final last four-in team is Wisconsin. Honestly, I, again, do not agree with this. Um, they're 7-9 and nine in conference and 15-11 overall. Uh, I think they should be in the first four out, honestly. I agree. And at the beginning of the uh, stage of Big Ten play, I believe they started 2-0, 3-0. They look great. But as of late, they haven't looked good. The difference between them and a team like Iowa State, because you look at Wisconsin, they're terrible offensively. 333rd in points per game at 64.7. 80th in defensive rating, which has dropped as the year goes on. But at least Iowa State, or a team that really focuses on um, you know, the defensive side of the ball, has some offense. Wisconsin does not. And I feel like in a team, especially when you go up against guys like Purdue or Iowa, for that matter, who score a lot of points, you're practically screwed because you're not going to meet them as far as a track meet's concerned and score 80-some points. You're really going to be put in a precarious position. I think it's interesting to say that Obviously, West Virginia is even higher than USC or Wisconsin, but a team like teams like West Virginia or Wisconsin that are even in the mix. First four out, starting with North Carolina at sixty-nine. Uh, North Carolina, let's say they are zero and nine 
in quad one games this year. That's why they won't go dancing this year. 0-1-9 against quad one teams. Yeah, disappointing year for North Carolina coming off a national championship runner-up. They're 8-8 eight eight in conference play, 16-11 overall. I think the biggest reason why they're even still alive in this mix is the fact that it's North Carolina. And we talk about this all the time, but these big prominent schools like North Carolina, Kentucky, Duke for that matter, they're like toys to be in the tournament no matter what happens to their season. They're not like a West Virginia who sneaks in with a 4-10 and 10 conference point record. These are household names that literally just made the tournament last season. But the way that you put that, especially their quad one record, it's not very good. So that's probably the reason why. But they're the first first four team out. So you know the committee and Joe Lenardi are dying to, to put them in. They're just dying to have a good ACC, uh, maybe a good win versus Duke or Virginia or win both. And then they'll be easily thrown in that last four in right off the bat. Charleston at number 70. I do not agree. Okay. I think Charleston's going to get the AQ because according to Joe Lenardi, he thinks Hofstra is going to get the a- AQ, which is win the tournament. But Charleston's 14 and 2 in conference, 26 and 3 overall. Hofstra's 15 and 2, 22 and 8 overall. I think Charleston will get the AQ over Hofstra. Yeah. I mean, even if Charleston isn't getting the AQ, I mean, They've had a tremendous season. They lost to Hofstra 85-81, to 81, uh, which is a big reason why they're probably one of the first four out. But you're sitting at 26-3 and three record. I, I mean, I, it begs the question, like, why would you leave a team like that out? I understand, like, they're not in a big conference, obviously. The Colonial Athletic is very much not known for um, many things. But it just reiterates the fact that one of those last four in teams, sure, they're in better conferences like West Virginia or Wisconsin. But – a 26-3 record, especially on how they finished the season, I don't know how you can leave a team out like that. I really just don't understand it. But that, again, goes back to the conference as itself and the AQ. But I would really hope that Charleston at least gets the AQ because I definitely do think that they deserve to be in. New Mexico at 71. New Mexico at 71. Um, honestly, I think they should be in the next four out because they are 7-7 seven and seven in conference. And uh, – I'd say the Mountain West is more of a power conference, but being 500 in a mid-major to power level conference, they should not make the tournament. I think the Mountain West is emerging as one of those better conferences. I mean, they have five teams, like I mentioned, above 20 wins. He's not great. That's kind of fault. They're sitting at a 7-7 seven seven conference record. I think they'll sneak in. I really do. I think uh, they have the potential, excuse me, potential capabilities to do so. Twenty and seven overall record. Boise State, San Diego State. Their next two games; those are going to be big for them. If they can win one, I think they can almost. Well, if they win both, they cement themselves in the tournament, in my opinion. But if they can win one and then have a good fair at the end of the year, I think they're a team that could sneak in the mix. Utah State at seventy-two. Uh, they're twenty-one and seven. They're ahead of New Mexico in the Mountain West rankings, and I think they have a better chance than New Mexico to make the tournament. In my opinion. I agree. I agree. And their only challenge left is the last game of the season against Boise State, which could be something that's kind of like an all-or-marble uh, situation for them. So that's going to be maybe a do-or-die situation. But they are sitting ahead of New Mexico in you know the conference by a 
pretty kind of hefty margin, two and a half game conference play record ahead of them. So kind of interesting to see those two kind of intertwined with one another. But I definitely think that uh, they're a team that like, has capabilities of, of making a tournament. I think they have a far better chance than, than New Mexico does. Next four out, starting off in the Pac-12 with Oregon. Honestly, I do not know how Oregon is ahead of Arizona State. Let, let me let me just uh, name off their record in conference and then overall record. So Oregon is sixth place in the conference at nine and eight, and they're fifteen and thirteen overall. And then Arizona State's ten and seven in conference; they're nineteen and nine overall. So um, honestly, I don't know what Joe Lenardi was doing here, but. It's uh, pretty strange. I know Arizona State and Oregon, uh, they split with each other, but uh, Arizona State has a better conference record and they have a better record. So, yeah. They've had three bright spots, really, for them this season. Nefeli Dante has averaging 13.5. Jermaine Cousnard averaging 13.2. And then Will Richardson averaging 13. But other than that, Oregon hasn't really been that great, like you mentioned. Mentioned their conference play record compared to a team right below them in uh, Arizona State. The biggest thing for Oregon is they don't really have many competitive games, really any competitive games left, because they have Cal, Stanford, and Oregon State. Those are the final three games, and I believe all three are bottom of the Pac-12. So a different situation for Arizona State where they have three meaningful games. Oregon does not, so they need a good Pac-12 tournament showing if they want any chance of making it, in my opinion. I'm going to let you talk about Arizona State uh, at the number 74 spot. You briefly talked about them, but I'm sure you got a little more to say. Obviously, Arizona State, they end the season at Arizona, at UCLA, and at USC, so they control their destiny. I think if they win two out of three here, um, and then win a game or two in the tournament, they're in. if, uh, If they win two out of three here, I think they will be solid come Selection Sunday. And I think the thing with that, too, is the fact that I think Arizona State has been disrespected throughout the season as far as rankings are concerned because they've had some quality wins. I've actually been able to watch them play in real life, um, and they're a really solid team. But I think Arizona State is one of those teams that's going to consistently be kind of ridiculed or just not. One, one thing I have to say about Arizona State is Bobby Hurley needs to recruit some more shooters. Um, because none of these neighbors can hit the ball. Uh, <laughs> okay. Alright, uh, you need to cut that out. But none of these, uh, none of these guys can can shoot the ball besides two guys. So, um, obviously that's a concern. But uh, these next three games, they just have to press them the whole game because that's when they get a lot of turnovers and that's when they run in transition. So here's what I don't get. As far as, I mean, I guess Texas Tech is technically above West Virginia. They have the same conference play record and win-loss record. But Texas Tech is the next four out. They're technically ahead of West Virginia. And West Virginia is a team that's a last four in. So what do you got to say about Texas Tech this season? Uh, four and ten overall. I know they just beat Texas. And they just beat West <laughs> Virginia. But uh, it, it it's weird. Uh, well, maybe – the net rankings mean a lot, but then again, Arizona State and net rankings is like seventh in the Pac-12. 
I just can't like wrap my head around the fact that like Texas Tech and West Virginia out of the Big Twelve is even in consideration. You got seven locks, in my opinion, in the Big Twelve. You got Kansas, Texas, Baylor, Kansas State, Iowa State, TCU, and Oklahoma State. The one that would be maybe questionable, in my opinion, would be Oklahoma State. But other than that, the final three because they've had some weird wins, but they're three and eleven in conference play. West Virginia and Texas Tech are four and ten. I don't understand how you can put a team that has a conference record of four and ten, especially with Texas Tech coming up for them as far as their games are concerned. Now, granted, they are first next for our team. Yeah, Oklahoma, which is a winnable game, TCU, Kansas, and then Oklahoma State. TCU and Kansas are going to be difficult ones, especially at Kansas. So I don't know. I think uh, a bit intriguing with that. But you mentioned the net rankings and kind of how that matters. It's just interesting to see how one loss or one win can just completely alter the season. I feel like record doesn't even matter to a certain extent. And then the final next for our team is Penn State. Uh, honestly, I don't think they have a chance here to make the tournament. They're 7-9 in the Big Ten, 16-11 overall. Then I look at their uh, schedule the remaining way. They play at Ohio State. And they could win that game, but then they – at home against Rutgers, at Northwestern, at home against Maryland. So I think at best they go 2-2 two and two there. They're 9-11 and 11 in conference. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say Penn State's not making the tournament unless they make a surprise Cinderella story in the Big Ten tournament. I don't see how that's the case. They shoot the ball really well, though. They shoot top five and three-point field goals as well as top ten field goal, three-point field goal percentage. I'll shoot the ball really well at the line are relatively solid, actually really solid in turnovers, third in the nation, uh, taking the ball away. So they have some the, some positives there for them, but I, I just don't understand what's going on. As far as I can see, being the Big Ten, there's no chance that Penn State makes the tournament. They're 11th in the Big Ten. The Big Ten's already kind of pushing it with nine potential tournament bids. So unless Penn State has a Cinderella story in the Big Ten tournament, I don't see Penn State making the tournament. It- I think uh, after after looking at these uh, projections by Joe Lenardi, I think it's a East Coast bias here. Yeah, but, uh, that is my personal opinion. So but just with just with uh, the Big Ten and Big Twelve, maybe like a team out in the Big Ten and then a team or two out in the Big Twelve. Oh no, I say the Big Twelve deserves seven bids for sure. Yeah, and so kind of moving forward as far as how we're going to do this part, I'm just going to briefly talk about the multi-bit conferences and the notable games. No point in examining them even further because we've done a good job of that. Uh, but multi-bit conferences, the Big Ten leads the way with nine. The Big 12 and SEC are second with eight. The ACC and Big East are third with five, followed by the Mountain West and Pac-12 with three, and the West Coast Conference and American both at two. Some notable matchups, interesting notable matchup, Louisville at Duke. I don't know how that's necessarily a notable matchup. The fact that Louisville, I think, went 4-23. and Obviously, for Duke, it makes sense, but maybe it's a situation where Duke loses and they're done. Oklahoma State at West Virginia. Apparently, this is a huge bubble game because West Virginia is apparently a last four-in team. So this is a huge game for West Virginia, I guess. And then, obviously, Kansas at TCU. Another matchup there, but it should be another great week of college basketball. This was definitely fun, and this was definitely kind of a nice change of pace. Um, I'm really excited that we were able to sit down uh, and do this, and then just looking at some of these Twitter comments uh, or comments of that 
a, a big fan for you. How is Oregon still on this page? Um, mm -hmm. As Levi had said earlier. So it's just interesting to kind of see how not only Joe Lenardi has ranked them, but, you know, some of the things that we mentioned. In all seriousness, how is UNC actually that close to making the tournament 0-9 quad one wins? Levi had mentioned that. Um, Wisconsin better start winning because everyone knows the committee is not leaving North Carolina out of the tournament. That's something that I said. So it's just kind of funny to see how uh, people with Joe Lenardi are commenting on that. They, kind of how a lot of people have similar minds, but it should be interesting to see. And, and I'm really excited to see how this uh, final, not only regular season games uh, transpire, but the Big Ten, I'm sorry, conference tournaments, not just the Big Ten tournament, and then uh, the March Madness tournament, uh, you know, turn in. And I think there's going to be a lot of interesting teams that make it and are left out of it by the end of the season. But uh, I want to go ahead and thank Levi for joining us on the show once again. It was great to have you there. I, I do kind of like this. I think this is a bit more intriguing because there's obviously teams that we know are solidified in the tournament, but taking a look at the number one through four seeds, I think the biggest takeaway to look at is just the bubble. Um, but going over the number one through four seeds is always great. And then the bubble, you know, seeing the last four buys, four in, four out, and next four out are obviously funny. I had a good laugh at some of these, but it's probably going to be something that we're going to try to do in the future. Like I mentioned, we try to do these weekly shows, but then again, um, we're also very busy. So just stay updated with the truth. So make sure you follow the truth on Twitter at the truth as one to stay updated, up to date with the latest information regarding the truth, including podcast days, podcast uploads, and important information that I do not want to miss until next time joined by Levi Graham. We appreciate you listening and I'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Peace.